All right, welcome to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. It's a beautiful spring day here in Charlottesville. We're back after a little bit of our uh, uh, delays for, well, really it's my fault, personal life things going on, but I'm here with Zach and uh, we're, we're back and better than ever because while we've got lots to talk about, the most exciting thing we have to talk about is this is first episode Ben is joining us. Ben, new to Streaking the Lawn, very new to the podcast. This is episode one. So, Ben, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, Pierce. Good All to be right. Here. Well, there might be folks out there, maybe they're not big readers, maybe they're not big tweeters, maybe they're just people who subscribe to this in their iTunes feed, and this is the first they're hearing of, of your new face here on the blog. So, uh, do those folks a favor, Ben, and, and share just a little bit about yourself and more, most importantly, of course, what got you uh, into UVA sports specifically? And how about favorite UVA player in any sport all time? All right. So I've been hovering around the UVA media sphere-ish for about the past year. Um, you might have known me from Twitter. I've been writing for Locker Room Access for a few years. Before that, I covered the Sixers um, with the Sixers Sense. I also write for Shot Quality, which is a more analytics-based uh, basketball organization. But yeah, I've really been a UVA fan forever. Uh, my mom is an alum, both undergrad and UVA law. So she raised me right. Um, took me to plenty of UVA games growing <laughs> up, um, brought me out here. So I've obviously been very connected to the UVA fan base. And I met Zach when I got here, actually playing pickup basketball over at Slaughter, for those of you who know where that is. All right, um, all right. Pretty sure we lost because uh, I saw Zach <laughs> complaining about our points per possession on Twitter after the game. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know this guy. Um, so I reached out to him. We started talking. Uh, we've been friends. Uh, we're both first years at UVA, so got to know each it. other and when he asked me if I wanted to come join the team at Streak in the Lawn I was happy to say yes so I'm here um favorite UVA athlete of all time um I hate to give a diplomatic answer but <laughs> I think Malcolm Brogdon I think it's hard to beat that that's not diplomatic at all that's a perfectly reasonable answer for mm -hmm. sure for sure i thought you were going to be like the ones who try the hardest and not <laughs> like some worker. sort of non and you know I, I guess my first question for you ben is if joel Embiid wanted to win mvp why doesn't he just play better than nikola jokic mm, i think if jokic wanted to win the mvp he should try being <laughs> ahead three to one instead of down three to one in his first round series Fair enough. All right, listeners, I promise the rest is about UVA sports. I'm surrounded by Philly fans here. Uh, that was, that was one thing we bonded it's, over. It's yeah, we got a majority now. We're here to talk about uh, uh, college sports. But yeah, like I, like I said, uh, Zach, I didn't say hello. So, so hello, Zach. How are you? Hi, Paris. I'm doing well. How oh, good. You? I'm glad to hear it. We've got, we got so much to talk about. The basketball <laughs> news, it's all over the place. The football team had their spring game. You ruined the lacrosse team for a little bit, Zach, but now they're <laughs> back to winning somewhat. Baseball team, some hiccups along the way, but a, a sweep over the Tar Heels recently is always going to make folks feel good. So uh, I, I think we're, you know, we're basketball first until uh, until football season really starts, probably is a fair, a fair assessment, at least of Zach and me. So let's get into it with a postseason basketball talk because 
there's been a lot of roster turnover. There's been an addition recently uh, to the roster. There's been obviously a huge announcement of Kihei coming back. And of course, some recruiting drama um, for a potential uh, point guard who's no longer coming to Charlottesville. Zach, where do you want to start? What's, what's the first thing that pops into your head? What do you care about most right now about the UVA men's basketball team? I mean, I, I, I think probably what, what I think potentially has the largest implications on next season is Kihei. Um, and, 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 and not that anybody needs to hear uh, people talk about Kihei coming back any more than has been on the Twitter sphere. Um, I think that that's significant and, and, and not may, maybe from in, like his impact on the court as much as just what this sort of signifies for next year's team. We have our top six scorers, like the six out of the seven rotation guys coming back it's it's a weird situation to be in because we're not North Carolina where we're returning, you know, a, a national championship uh, runner up with everybody. We're coming back, you know, after losing in the quarterfinals of the NAT. And so it's hard to necessarily be super encouraged when you have the top six guys coming back. When you that put group. it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I, I, you know, I think that the, the Kihei thing is interesting if, for no other reason than you have to discuss whether or not this is actually a positive thing for the program. And I, and I, I just mean that in the sense that there are young guys who have transferred out because they haven't gotten opportunities in the last couple of years. Like we know this and, and whether they didn't earn them or, or, or whether, you know, Tony Bennett hates uh, people who are under the age of 20, we, we won't know. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's sort of a, a, a tough situation to be in because you want to honor Kihei Clark and what he's done for the program you do and and you know I, I think I'm probably more um pessimistic about some things than than some people when it comes to sort of the you know playing the wanting to play the young guys some more um you have to honor Kihei you have to like understand that he is Kihei and and, and he did win a national championship with us and whatever um but there's also the question of well you know we have a lot of talented young guys both on the roster and coming in who are going to probably lose out on minutes because he come, he's coming back. I mean, one thing, and, I, and I'll, I'll throw it over to Ben in a minute, but, you know, McNeil, uh, the, the the West Virginia, Sean McNeil, the, the West Virginia transfer not coming to Virginia is honestly probably um, a win for the young guys in the sense that, like, McNeely as a community might get minutes. You know, Tane Murray mm-hmm. might get real minutes. Um, we're going to be able to see those guys play. Ryan Dunn might not have to redshirt, like, it's just going to be interesting to see how Kihei's return affects the minutes of those guys and thereby sort of affects the minutes and sort of what happens in their careers at Virginia, because I don't think we're winning a national championship next year uh, with that roster. And maybe uh, that's way too early and maybe people are now tuning off, but you know, I'll, I'll throw <laughs> well, it to ben. Why would I listen <laughs> Get to Zach yeah, on exactly. the record. <laughs> But Ben, like, what are your, like, what are you thinking on, on Kihei? Is that, are you, are you happy? Like, are yeah. you know, you know, I mean, I think, uh, as you alluded to, we're returning our top six scores from last year, top six minute getters. And I think Kihei coming back is a sign that we're going to get more of the same um, of what the team looked like last year. Um, and it's up to you to decide whether that's a good or a bad thing. I don't th- I think there'll be a better version of last year's team. I mm-hmm. like simply by having another year of having played together and having continuity with those key guys in the rotation, we probably won't see some of the early season stumbles like the loss to Navy, the loss to JMU. And there's a case to be made that those losses kept UVA out of the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't think running it back is a bad 
thing by any means. Like this team is probably an NCAA tournament team, but in another sense, uh, having the same team back kind of, I guess, limits their ultimate ceiling. As you said, Zach, no one really has us penciled in as any sort of national championship contender at this point. And for a team that returns almost their entire roster from a NIT caliber squad, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say. Um, yeah. And then there's the issue again of getting the young guys minutes. Uh, I was happy when the McNeil news broke um, for sure. because as talented as McNeil is, he wouldn't have been in the program the year after next. And we simply have to start getting young talent and building players and growing players in the system who don't transfer out, who get minutes while they're young. And I think this is kind of a golden opportunity specifically for McNeely um, as you mentioned, but yeah. maybe Ryan Dunn as well. Maybe Tane Murray takes a jump in his second season and just so many open minutes there at the guard spot, but you know, Kihei coming back, pencil him in for probably 30 minutes a game minimum. And right. some of those opportunities decline a little bit. Right. And, and like, don't get me, like, I'm not saying that if you play McNeely Dunn trout and bond, 25 minutes a game we're going to be a national contender it's more so just the idea that if you get those guys some experience and not all of them but some of them then in two years maybe you are in national contention again maybe next year with recent caden like there's just you know it's sort of like do you play for the future do you play for the president it feels like we've been playing for the present for the last couple of years and while we've had success i haven't seen and i don't think anybody else has the sort of national success that we've come to expect from the program that said they're still doing positive things i just think that there might need to be sort of a, a reframing of of some yeah. ideas and how you mm -hmm. build a, a national contender i think it's highly likely that if kihei was departing they were going to try and bring in another it's a good point, point guard mm -hmm. you yeah. know maybe not maybe not um westford mcneil but you know, more actual established point guard type of player. And point being, I don't think unless Tane Murray emerges as that good in that role or McNeely's bringing in enough of that skill set, they were going to play if they were going to play regardless of, of Kihei being here or not, if, if they're that good. I think Kihei eats a lot of minutes. And I think the one thing, Zach, you and I have talked about off air is, is there pre Kihei news, an idea that maybe, maybe transitioning a little bit away from this, like we have two point guards on the, on the floor all the time. You know what I mean by point guards, not necessarily, but that's the big, that's the big deal, right? Recent Kihei, both established defenders on the perimeter point guards who want to distribute sometimes make a shot, but sometimes can't be relied upon to be consistent scorers. If you, if you're running back a backcourt, that's the same skill set that we've seen here. It's just sort of, to me, the, the news is, uh, I don't know. The, 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 it's not Kihei specific. It's more just like the idea of we're running back a starting five that didn't make the tournament and lost the St. Bonaventure at home, you know, to, to close out the season. Isn't that sort of underwhelming? Isn't it? Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, Oh, we're returning six scores from a team that couldn't score more points than JMU or Navy. You know, and this isn't to dog on this the whole season and say, you know, it, it obviously didn't live up to expectations. And obviously that's not the standard that UVA basketball is, but there's some highs, of course. And of course, teams can get better, you know, especially when you look at Franklin and Gardner being probably the, you know, two most important scorers on the team. Well, it was their first year in the program. I mean, right. you know, they're, they're bound to, to improve. 
Am I saying they're running back a team that's going to have the same results of this past season? No, but on paper, just that sentence, you know, this year's starting five is going to be the same as, as this one. Oh, that's a lot to, to, to feel as a team that's used to competing for ACC titles as a fan of a team that's now used to competing for ACC titles. So Ben, what do you think we're going to have to see some specific changes you know, in production from these guys to feel more optimistic about how the season's going. Let's say they come out, whoever opens next year, we see X, Y, and Z. We're feeling a lot better after that season opening win over whoever it might be because of what type of thing. Number one, I think for me, would be more willing shooters offensively just across the board. And this is a point you can apply to just about everybody. Cause as you mentioned, this team we're bringing back, it has continuity. Uh, it's continuity in a lineup that really struggled to score in any sort of meaningful minutes last season. And I think a lot of that stems from just having so many guys on the court at once that just are hesitant to take jump shots to create for themselves and to mm. put clean looks up at the basket. So I think, if we come out game one and you see Kihei more willing to let it fly, he took a step in that department this year, but there's definitely more room to grow there. I mean, look at a guy like Remy Martin, who's undersized, played for KU, a veteran this year. Uh, obviously, transfer, not the exact same situation, but that's dude who let it fly and could kind of provide a spark to their offense. True. Uh, Reese Beekman, obviously. Um, very good driver, very good at getting to the basket. Um, anywhere outside 10 feet from the basket uh, opposing teams are guarding him like Ben Simmons. And he hasn't <laughs> proven an ability to make them pay yet. Um, he has two very big three pointers in his career against Syracuse and against Duke, but you just want to see him do that more consistently. And then even like Armand Franklin, a guy whose yeah. shot kind of came and went last season, if he's letting it fly more, you just need more, dynamic offense and it can't simply be slowing the game down and relying on Jaden Gardner to post up and take a 15 foot mid-range jumper every possession. Cause yeah. that's not going to get you past the first week in the NCAA tournament. I don't care how well you're executing it. Zach, yeah. you're an expert in the UVA scheme side of things. So I'll throw it to you to talk about that part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough. Cause this is something like this year in, in UVA basketball, it was, a lot of the traditional sides, right? It's it, it's what it was, and it it made some sense. I mean, they they had two transfers in the starting lineup, and then they had Caden Chadwick for most of the year, who hadn't played meaningful minutes. It made sense that they wanted to stick what what with what was simple. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, and, and Kihei showed enough as a shooter, and they thought Franklin was going to be a shooter that they thought, okay, we can get something out of this, and then generate post looks for Gardner off of pin downs. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I think next year, if you're really looking to sort of make that next step it's you're gonna have to be more Reese dependent mm. and that's probably more sort of NBA style offense a little bit more open ball screen and it's not like they haven't done that um you know they did a lot of that with Ty back in 2019 and Kihei in 2020 like they, huh? they, they've shown willingness even in that 2020 season when we didn't really have the necessary shooting to spread the floor. And this gets to, I know, I know we haven't mentioned uh, Vanderplas yet, but right. if you put mm -hmm. on a, a lineup, if you say, okay, we're putting Vanderplas and Gardner in the front court, um, Gardner is probably going to be, he can, he can stretch it, right? Like I mean, we, we've seen him hit a couple of shots. If he can at least, 
make defenses play him on the perimeter, that's a win. Because one thing, and this is part of why ball screens weren't very successful successful for him this year, was that they had Kafara or Shedrick and then Gardner, and they were not willing to pop one of those guys on the perimeter. So it wasn't four out type of situation. It was more of a, um, you have two guards on the perimeter in the corners, and Ben, you can, you can correct me on this, but two guards on the corners three guards, sorry, like spreading the floor like mm-hmm. that. And then instead of playing the, the the high ball screen where you spread everybody on the floor, they had one big man sealing his man on the perimeter, allowing the guard to get downhill. And it's not the end of the world. Like that is a, obviously a, a strategy there, but it means that there's more congestion in the perimeter. It's harder for the gotcha. guards to get to the hoop. So mm-hmm. Reese Beekman is going to have a little bit more to think about if he's trying to get to the hoop rather than who am I kicking it to on the perimeter? It's, can I get around? Is Kafaro sealing the center on the inside? Is Gardner rolling? Gardner's not really one to pop, but if you say, okay, we're going to put Gardner in the corner, Vanderplas is the screener, and then you got Franklin and I guess Kihei, or you throw McNeely or Tane in there, guys who can, you know, you know, are shooters all of a sudden that opens things up a little bit more. And if you can use that offense on 20% of possessions, that's not a big number. But if you can say, okay, we're going to throw this to Reese, give him the keys to work with shooters a little bit more and have those guys willing to shoot, as you said, Ben, then things are going to be much easier and the offense is just going to run a little bit better Mm -hmm. because it's Mm going to suit the personnel, but it's also going to be just an offense that's going to flow better and force defenses to make decisions rather than a mover blocker offense that we know can get very clunky because all of a sudden you're just running through the motions and no one's really looking to score. You're just looking for that sort of edge, but without shooters, you're not trying to actually take advantage of the advantages that you're getting (laughs) off of screens. So you're not trying to exploit anything. You're just doing it for the sake. And then all of a sudden you're just throwing passes around and people are pump faking and it's just, you're not getting anything out of it. And that's when you have to have Jane Garner just taking 15 foot mid range shots. Well, don't you think it's fair to say that in this season we saw a transition a little bit more to to Reese playing the one and and Kie playing off ball more in the offense? I mean, it's tough because you know, and in the sides offense, it's really ball handlers versus yeah. bigs. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's yeah, Franklin probably is going to do less of the sort of driving and kicking thing, but it's hard to really it just player specific not so much role specific i guess is is how i would put it um and don't get me wrong like they did do they did give reese opportunities and high ball screens this isn't like some brand new thing it's just that increasing that and, and allowing him to play in more space like we've seen it when he gets going downhill help defense doesn't matter because he's going to get to the paint and finish so mm-hmm. I, I would say like increasing that sort of just continuing to give him more of a role both for the short-term and long-term future like assuming he comes back for his last year or his fourth year um you know the the, the following season he is going to be gone there's he can't come back for a sixth year mm-hmm. he's not allowed to i don't think unless he anyway but <laughs> there's that it doesn't work like so like Reese is going to have to finally yeah. be that guy and you're going to want him to be accustomed to playing with a bunch of shooters around him because by then hopefully McNeely and Tane and all those guys have sort of taken that next step and you can really start flamethrowing and you can run a 2019 type of offense just a little bit more of a like hey Reese is probably the guy with the highest potential on this team right now or highest potential with you know the actual most proven so far let's let him run things a little bit more and Kihei 
take a bit of a step back. Like, I mean, he's still going to be that leader. He's still going to provide experience, but giving Reese the keys even more than he got this year, I think is probably going to be something that you're looking for early on. And you're not ever looking for Kihei to take, you know, 12 shots a game, which is the yeah. situation that they found them in uh, right. a lot, you know, that this year, I, I think we knew coming in, or with the class coming in that they're they're highly touted you know a few you know, obviously mcneely and trout both regard as as strong shooters we're getting excited about it, but we've been pretty good i think at tempering our expectations a little bit because knowing what it is for first years to come into this program it's highly unlikely even if kihei wasn't coming back that you're going to see you know either isaac at, at 32 minutes a game or something like that you yeah. know uh, maybe i could be wrong hell you know they they, they haven't had anybody like isaac trout in this no. team before um uh, and it's, it's just been a while since we've seen a, a, a freshman be able to contribute to to that many minutes and most of that was probably because you know roster turnover to begin bennett's tenure here so uh this all brings me to say the difference in that has been how coach Bennett plays his transfers. And like you alluded to Zach, we've got one who's a really good shooter or a decent shooter coming in, yeah. in Bennett Vanderplas. So Ben to another Ben, uh, <laughs> this, this Ben focused news coming in. What was your gut reaction to landing this transfer uh, and what he can bring? So Vanderplas is a, very interesting player. Um, when I first saw he came in, I went to his sports reference page, thrilled, scrolled through his stats, saw, okay, this guy's a stretch four who might be able to contribute to our offense a little bit. And, you know, you just assume with a guy like that, it'll be a bit of a rough transition getting into Tony Bennett's system. Um, and then I went back on my DVR and I had two Ohio games. So I went through and I actually watched some Ben Vanderplas film and I don't think he's the guy that a lot of UVA fans think he might be um he's not the stretch four who the Brady Manic type you know mm -hmm. who stands there spots up waits to get the ball and shoot he likes having the ball in his hands he likes mm -hmm. kind of operating out of the mid post as a passer um okay yeah a yeah. lot of times Ohio would clear out like one side of the floor just for him um so he could make some passing read and he's a very high level passer more mm -hmm. than I think some UVA fans have given him credit for uh, where people are maybe overrating him is on the shooting. He is mm -hmm. in, again, Brady Manic in terms of the shooting to sighty guy who I've seen compared to Vanderplas on Twitter quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and another concern, obviously, that is the reason that I might be a little lower on how much he'll be able to contribute next season than some people is the defense. Um, it absolutely is a concern. Ohio <laughs> last season, I don't know what they were doing in pick and roll coverage. It was some sort of drop scheme, but what it would look like on tape a lot of the time is Vanderplas's guy would come set a screen. He'd kind of stand near the free throw line or free throw line extended, and the guard would take one dribble and pull up and hit a jumper over him. So adjusting uh, to the way Tony Bennett wants his big men to guard is going to be a big challenge for Vanderplas, I think. Right. But if he can rise to that challenge, he is a very talented offensive player, and he definitely brings a different dimension as a big man to what some of the guys on the roster currently can do. Zach, do you see him as someone who can play alongside Jaden Gardner in these situations where you know, it doesn't make sense to have the center on the floor? It's tough because as Ben says, the defense is a question mark. And, right. and I think Gardner um, improved as much as we could have asked him to in year one. Sure. 
like he he's solid hedging he's obviously one-on-one has learned how to use his size yeah but it's tough because you know Gardner for as good as he is his foot speed is still not Isaiah Wilkins like he's still not that sort of bouncy help defender Mm -hmm. and I feel like if you're really gonna play those two together you need that like I I feel like Vanderplas would work better on the defensive end with Caden Shedrick you know like Mm -hmm. someone who's going to be able to bail him out on the backside or maybe at least just get him out of some ball screen scenarios and like he's he's a big guy but he can move decently well like we see that on the offensive side of the ball as Ben says he has an interesting game he also defensively has good hands like his steal rate was something that like I think it was like second um in in the conference in the in his conference last year so he has like some knack for that he's not just gonna um sort of you know try and lounge around defensively which is obviously an absolute must um <laughs> in, you know in the virginia system so um it's it just tough i don't know with him and gardner like i think offensively it could be fun and i and i will say that you know ben makes a good point by by the shooting numbers i mean he's a career um if i can pull it up here 32 percent three-point shooter but that's skewed a little bit by this uh 30 and 28 percent first two years the last two years he's gone 36 and 33.5 percent that said that's on very high volume so it's it he took 194 threes in 34 games last year like he's gonna pull it no matter what um and frankly i'll take a 35 percent shooter on this team i think that's sort of just like the it, yeah, I, I think Ben is right. He's not the shooter we've made him out to be, but also relative to what we had last year, he's going to be better. Um, at, at that but now he's coming into the pass up a good shot for a great shot offense of, of hesitancy. That, yeah. You know, I think it depends how that, <laughs> it, it how will that be frame of mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Gardner and him could be fun, but it's, it's sort of like, does Tony Bennett really want to sacrifice that? He likes playing mm-hmm. small on offense. He likes being able to sort of run that flexibility and, and sort of, you know, mess with, with lineups specifically with big men. But I don't know. It's just a question mark about what, how comfortably he's going to fit in defensively, especially early on. So you don't drop that James Madison or, or, or Navy game. I mean, fortunately, they, they have yeah. guys that, that can fill in for him. I think another reason why I'm uh, just a little disheartened by um, returning the the same team uh, or the same starting five is now how many months until basketball season starts? What, seven? Uh, For seven months, we're just going to be saying the off-season questions that we've been saying for a year right. <laughs> you know where will armand franklin be as a shooter where you know how, how are we going to uh, find a more consistent production uh, in scoring at the point guard position uh and then this brings me to the point i wanted to make when is Caden shedrick going to take that next step uh productivity and consistent productivity and that's something that never really was answered. We had some real, real highs. Um, we had some times where he sort of faded away. And there was even a stretch in critical games where Kafara was getting the starting nod, which we know isn't everything, right? But, I mean, it's a pretty clear indication of, of uh, Shedrick not seizing control of that depth chart. 
are we going to see that next year? Is this is another situation where it was just the next year? It's always it's some years. It's the fourth year for some of these bigs in the Bennett system that they uh, really find themselves. So, what what do you think, Zach? I'll start with you since I've been over yeah. I, you know, I think I do think that that cutting Caden some slack is worth it. I mean, he was oh, that being mean? Yeah, come on, I got to stand up for this little guy here. You know, I will say like Caden did his first year I'm, I'm blanking, but he, he was, he was dealing with injuries. And obviously at that point in his career, he wasn't going to be playing. And then last year he just had some really fluky stuff, like in the 2020, 2021 year, like he had it. And and I heard about this. I, I don't think this is state secrets, but I believe he picked up a knee injury in the softball game that they play trying to catch. <laughs> I heard this a long time ago when I like talked to his parents um, and it was like, he picked up a, 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 a recurring knee injury. This is just to say like, he just had some bad luck mm-hmm. and then picked up mono and all that stuff. And so with this being his first real opportunity to play, I don't think it was bad by any means. Like, I think he showed those sort of flashes, but you wish that those flashes had come the year before type of situation. Right, right. And I think that it might be the year that he needs under his belt, like get some of the mm-hmm. tread on those tires mm-hmm. and then he can break out. Listen, there's still flaws to his game. Like there are still things he needs to work on. He needs to continue to go up with the ball when he gets an offensive rebound. He needs to <laughs> sort of um, his footwork offensively can be awkward. You know, like, like that, that that's one thing. And I think that not that Kafaro necessarily has the most um, beautiful m- movements, but he's figured out what works for him. And I think that Caden can become that type of post present that 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 big guy um, that, that they can add that. And then also he had a jump shot in high school. Like he, he's a guy that was sort of like, Oh, like, okay. He's going to be able to stretch the floor song. And he just hasn't shown that more than maybe eight feet out from the basket. And I, I, I feel like that's something that maybe it doesn't come next year. Maybe it's the year after, but like he, he's a guy that I sort of saw as like a just taller Diakite, you know, as someone who would eventually sort of develop that shot. So if he can add that shot, if he can get more comfortable in the post, um defensively he needs to get a little bit more sound one-on-one he's solid at, you know sort of helping and, and his hedging is I think pretty solid uh, it's not it's not Diakite or Atkins or Mitchell but um it's up there and 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 then I think that it just sort of comes down to that consistency that we've been talking about I don't know, Ben did you see something that I'm missing I mean yeah you hit on basically everything uh I I am optimistic as you are that I think he might've needed just a little while to get his feet under him in the UVA system. And it's by no means a new thing for UVA bigs to take a little while to be adjusted to a defensive system. That's really taxing for big men. And I think this team is at its best with Caden Shedrick at the five in his full form. Like I think that lineup gives you better chances against the best teams than say uh, Vander plus Jaden Gardner lineup just because of when he's on, like we saw it in the last regular season game, I want to say against Louisville where he just took over and we were up like 20 at halftime. He was controlling the pain on both ends of the floor. And with a guy as big and athletic and bouncy as Shedrick, you just hope he can harness that because there are flashes of him being a very dominant Tony Bennett, big man in the very classic style. Um, there are also times where he'll pick up two fouls in the first three minutes of the game and sit on the bench <laughs> for the next 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he just looks, I guess, not totally in the flow of the game, that awkwardness Zach talked about. And I think the hope is that 
he can take this year's experience and that will kind of come along, but it certainly remains to be seen. And as Pierce said, I wish we didn't have to be rehashing the same discussion again after a year of running through it already. Yeah. I wonder what, you know, thinking to sitting here thinking other than the new guys, obviously that's a, a, a clear answer to what will be different in these off season discussions, but where are these jumps in productivity going to come or consistent productivity right. going to come across mm-hmm. the board? Um, and we could point to things in, in each of these players that we want to see, uh, you know, better consistent productivity. And, but I, I wonder what's the most realistic. I wonder what, what we see as like a turn corner. And I think we've covered the big ones, uh, but I, I would start with Reese scoring. Uh, reads aggressively scoring it doesn't have to be three point shots from him but you know attacking attacking the basket hopefully the guys open in the corner make those shots a little more (laughs) too and then and then you're working with a team that can make some noise uh, in the acc for sure uh before we move subjects i mean zach should we talk a little um nil missing recruits (laughs) g league (laughs) contracts potentially uh you know uh Hey, you know, make that paper, man. Like, like, you know, yeah. if you if someone's gonna pay a boatload of money to play basketball, like, go do that. Um, no fault to to the recruit, um, but certainly a disappointing result uh, for Virginia fans because uh, London Johnson seemed like a guy who could be uh, an immediate difference maker. Uh, if you're listening, you don't know who I'm talking about. This isn't a recruit who'd be coming next year anyway. Although there were whispers of reclassifying way back right. when i think that mm-hmm. had been um uh, shut down pretty early on but anyway two years from now obviously would love to have a five sort point guard and uh instead uh we're turning the the, the, the page to hopefully other really really good point guards yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the recruiting cycle i mean the, the johnson thing was just disheartening because like he basically committed like late fall of, of 2021 um and then was supposed to announce like new around new year's like mm-hmm. they were in, and then it, obviously on april fools he was supposed to announce and made everybody look like fools but i'm sorry um <laughs> but you know i had the london johnson commit story ready to go for like three or four months and I'm not saying that I knew before anybody else everybody else in the media world did but like it's just one of those things where for the longest time I was like yeah like we got him like and Ben and I even talked about like oh yeah you know like once we get him and like he's a talent and, and it's a shame that he's not going to be in UVA uniform I think maybe in the long run it's going to be okay just because I don't know if that would have been the best situation for either side at a certain point it just became obvious that um with how well he, he was playing and, and, and all that, that UVA probably wasn't going to be a fit for what he was really looking to get out of the next couple of years of his basketball career, or maybe mm-hmm. that his family is looking to get out of the next couple of years of his basketball career. Um, as you said, Pierce, go get your paper. Like I don't fault <laughs> him. I don't, I don't hate the kid for not coming, but I think that the, the process was unfortunate um, just because, you know, where it really hurts UVA is that we don't have any established established relationships with point guards in the 2023 class. And guess what? We really need a point guard in the 2023 yeah. class. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we've always needed. 
And if you think back, the reason we don't have a 2022 point guard is because Kihei came back and that that was in the works. We were looking at point guards in 2022, went away from that when the whole Kihei fifth year thing became a thing, Mm -hmm. and then thought we had our 2023 guy wrapped up and it didn't really matter if Kihei didn't come back, he could try and reclass. But then he did. And it's like, okay, well, you know, stick with 2023. Um, But it's just, it, it, it delays them. It means that all of a sudden in, in April, they're starting to evaluate point guards again, whereas they already had that done. And obviously, you know, sort of, they were interested in, in Reed Shepard for a little while last summer. And, and, you know, understandably he went to Kentucky. So mm-hmm. they don't really have much going on right as of now. And that's a shame because it seemed like they just sort of had their 2023 jewel all just ready to go. Like it was just, you know, he was going to be bigger than even anybody in the 2022 class. And that's saying something because we've been propping up the 2022 classes like this, you know, the the saviors of the program. Um, And he was supposed to be that sort of that fifth guy that was going to tie it all together. So it's a shame. Uh, They're still going to be able to find good players. Um, You just hope that this doesn't uh, hurt them too much in the sense that all of a sudden they're onto their, third fourth fifth guy at the point guard spot and then well and then we're you know in a, in a little bit of a less ideal situation in a couple of years from now that said there's always a transfer portal and in, in this sort of day and age very true basketball. Mm-hmm. and go um and with london johnson um that is a guy who likes zach zach and i had been talking about him for a while because it was kind of out behind the scenes that it was like he the was, biggest, yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically committed to UVA. I, too, had my London Johnson commits to UVA peacefully in drafts and subsacks, ready to send. See, um, never December draft 2021. Yeah, yeah, never write anything <laughs> beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I, I just remember reading about him and watching his tape. And this is a guy who I think back in December played in the FIBA U-17 championships for Jamaica. And he... 36 points per game, 56% from the field, 47% from three, just unreal talent. And I remember watching him play and thinking, I can't believe this dude might be a Virginia Cavalier. (laughs) And it turns out in hindsight, I should have, the cynic in me should have come out a little bit and been like, this dude is not going to be a Virginia Cavalier. And, And as both Pierce and Zach have said, you cannot fault the kid for taking the opportunity to, you know, make some money, maybe go play in the G League, get a legitimate NBA shot, because that's what all these kids are looking for. And it's there's no hostility towards London Johnson. Um, he is probably going to have a very excellent career. He would have at UVA, and he will wherever he ends up. But it's a shame, because it, it does bump back the UVA point guard recruiting, because they thought they had this guy in the bag, and more opportunities came along, and they lost him, and now they're kind of behind schedule a little bit in terms Mm -hmm. of recruiting i'm sure more will emerge about potentially uva targets at point guard because that 2023 point guard is still a huge need and live sessions will be going on for the next few weeks i'm sure they're in the thick of it for sure someone but it's definitely a position that was not going to be a position of need because london johnson was the guy and now it's something that the who's are going to have to worry about you know at least it wasn't on signing day and um (laughs) <laughs> you know, it just, it just, it's disappointing because it, it continues this narrative of we can't land the blue chip recruit. So then the, you know, the Twitter sphere goes into why are we even wasting our time recruiting blue chip recruits? If, you know, Trevor Keels, Johnny Juzang, list goes on and on, just ask Will Campbell, um, you know, <laughs> David McCormick, even, you know, uh, not a point guard, but 
you get my point. Um, I, you know, I, I think what we've seen in the, the recruiting notes from this week is they obviously they know what to do and they're out there hitting the, the recruiting trail hard to, to fill in uh, this position and the cover does not bear, um, you know, worst case scenario, they'll just find a, a UC Davis commit and uh, convince them to come to Virginia and wasn't gonna say and it, win a yeah. national ch- title, you know, <laughs> it's going to be all right. Um, it, you know what it reminds me of, especially talking about that FIBA performance, um, but it ties into the idea that, you know, he, 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 the pro scouts lit up just a couple months ago or within the past couple months on, on Johnson. You guys know the soccer player who's current star of the U S men's national team who committed uh, to Virginia before then changing his mind and going and making money uh, playing soccer out of high school. I don't, I thought I, I was... do not yeah. Weston McKinney really? who plays for Juventus oh, wow, really? now, uh, you know, one of the best players in the men's national team committed uh, to UVA soccer. And then his, his star sort of <laughs> rose more. He, he got more exposure uh, and it was, it was very clear to the UVA coaches that everyone, uh, you know, six months or however many months later, it could have been a year. I don't remember, but uh, the, yeah, college is not for you. Uh, you're better. Uh, and soccer is different than basketball. Obviously you can be the best basketball player in the country and go to college for a year and be the number one pick. Um, it's just going to become more and more normal. Uh, for people to decide to make money, uh, the, more money than they would with an NIL uh, agreement. Right. Um, and yeah, that's going to be the way of the world. So uh, we've been we've been at this, guys, for, for a while. I don't want to make this the longest uh, episode in April we've ever had, but uh, I guess there were probably some uh, basketball postseason ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the longest <laughs> off-season episode we've ever had. Um but you know we do need to at least talk about the uh, the football spring game. There's not a whole lot of like insider or analysis to throw out there, but I will I will say I think it's it's always fun with the new coaching staff to to see what the differences are going to be. Uh, it's fun to see the energy that this coaching staff brings. Not that there was uh, you know a dearth of energy in the first one, but it's just nice to see that continued. Um, and it's nice to see Brennan Armstrong throwing a football, although it wasn't, you know, a polished, uh, uh, let's say, skills repertoire out there. It wasn't a highlight real day for Brennan. But uh, despite the fact that the season ended so incredibly uh, disappointingly last year, it reminded me of a lot of the highs of, of last football season. Uh, and there's a lot of things to be excited about. So um you know I, I don't mean to belabor the point because we don't have a whole lot to add other than yay football but yeah. for you guys what what's something you're you're curious about um there's a, there's a couple obvious answers to this uh, i mean I, I i don't think we got a good look at it because they only have eight <laughs> active offensive linemen right, but right, the right. offensive line is probably something that we should worry about and listen like yep. i mean I, I wrote about it um and something that went up earlier today but you know it's a spring scrimmage is probably not the best sort of atmosphere to really test an offensive line. I mean, they right. obviously had eight healthy guys, which meant that two were running back and four <laughs> right. on the sideline. And those are big dudes. And that's, you know, field is wide. So, you know, the, 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 there was some energy expense there and, and a lot of snaps and in some warm weather. Um, and obviously, you know, the, they, they did stay dedicated to the run game. Um, I will say that. And that was something that Elliot preached um, in the press or afterwards, sort of just like, even though it, the holes weren't necessarily there and 
and that he he pointed to the fact that well you don't really have Brennan's threat as a runner because he can't touch Brennan Armstrong yeah. in, in a scrimmage like this so he's not going to be going to be able to hold a defensive line there which means you are, obviously have an extra guy um, you know filling gaps and then um, you know I mean Ronnie Walker's hurt and and then you know obviously the offensive line is is banged up so it's it's tough to really evaluate um, things didn't look great for the offense really I mean it's it was tough when after the first half, I think they were like 10 points scored when both offenses had Brennan Armstrong as the quarterback. <laughs> um, but like, I was just sort of sitting there like, cause this was the, the defense first is just that, that good. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Well, I will say there was some, there was some defensive playmaking like Nick Jackson was in there, got two sacks. I don't know if there would have been sacks if he had to tackle Brennan, but um <laughs> It, it was it was still nice to see the D-line be active, even against yeah. a tired and, and worn down um, offensive line. So, I mean, that you know, it was fun. It was it was what it was like. There, there's not a lot to say um, other than, you know, Elliot wants to run the ball in the offensive line needs to improve. I mean, I mean, you know, there's other stuff, too, but it, sure, it was, it was sure. a fun day. I mean, big yeah. question marks going to be the, the O-line health and, and depth there. But there's some returning guys that are really nice to see uh, back healthy and look bell Davis. I think Nick Jackson is probably going to be the biggest, like uh, what person is going to make that next upperclassman jump mm-hmm. in production. Yeah. Right. And I also think that the tight ends uh, performed, I mean, a mission uh, and, and Wood junior each had, I think three or four catches for um, I think 50, 60 yards each, which, which was just good to see, especially, you know, with Jelani Woods, um, being gone and that, that is a hole in sort of the offensive playmaking arsenal um, that if those guys can, mm-hmm. can consistently sort of have that repertoire uh, and chemistry with with Brennan sort of you know across the middle that, that that's going to be valuable especially when you have Wicks and Davis um, on the outside and, and Kemp on the inside and Keaton running through Ke- the slots. Keaton seems to be like the guy not not being talked about a whole lot well yeah mm. they didn't i mean i'm curious to see how they use him because not, right. not that they're going to really you know show what, what the offense is in a, in a spring game but there was no keton like sort of trickery or football player plays that he had like maybe caught two <laughs> balls and i'm not saying that you need that or that if you don't have that in a spring game it changes things but i am curious right. to see if they see him more as just a wide receiver um and say that well we want to traditionally run the ball with the running backs some of me is like, okay, well, what if you just made him a running back? Because I mean, he's had more success than uh, a lot of those backs last year. And that's another thing. I mean, they're going to, th- those running backs are going to have to break out if they're really going to run the ball behind this offensive line too. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, but, but, but Elliot was happy. I mean, he was, he, he was seemed like he was enjoying himself. Like he, he's a fun dude. Like I'm not nice. saying that Bronco wasn't, but you just, there's an energy when he walks in the room where you just like, like this guy, you know, he, he loves his job and, and he's going to get guys bought in. And that was sort of the, the big message he had is trying to get guys to, he was using sort of a jump in the pool analogy. He was like, wanted everybody to be fully immersed in the pool and was All talking right. about mm-hmm. guys who had one foot in, two feet mm-hmm. in, who guys who would wade mm-hmm. in the pool, waist deep in. and then step out. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting <laughs> analogy, but um, it was obviously <laughs> something that was very much on his mind. Uh, and I think that the you know, pool, <clears throat> the pool. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, he's uh, I, I think the program is, is headed in the right direction. If they can shore up some of those positional liabilities, um, yeah. then then we're we're looking at a, you know, a, a team that, you know, as we say, a lot of years could do something in the coastal. 
anybody can do something in the coastal. Yeah, that's years, a good so. point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, O-line is so obviously critical that they, they've got to make sure that's shored up. Um, and, and those transfers that they lost are, are brutal losses, but it yep. doesn't mean they can't step up the guys who are here. So we'll see. Um, ben, did you convince Arch Manning to come to Charlottesville? Mm, I worked worked on it, tried my hardest. <laughs> Not sure he's going to end up in. Okay, uh, lunch, you split the bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, I put about go. <laughs> put about as much weight in a spring football game as like the second half of like a week four preseason NFL game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's content. We can certainly talk about it. Um, hey, I hey, did. It doesn't see, matter, Ben. Yeah, I got. I did not about see any now. passes to oh. offensive linemen, which uh, in my book is a step up for the That's new coaching strong. staff. Yeah, um, yeah. one quarterback at all times, not two, not zero. Um, also strong. Although maybe if there is a game where you want to see multiple QBs, it is the spring game, <laughs> <laughs> the appropriate time. Davis Lane looked solid. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And we know Wolf on the team and obviously couldn't be there because he's busy throwing 98 mile per mm. hour fastballs for the uh, baseball team. So yeah. not a, not a huge concern, hopefully. Well, thanks guys. Uh, why don't we go ahead and wrap things up by rattling off the things we should have talked about, but spent too much time on basketball, uh, men's lacrosse, ACC champions, uh, women's lacrosse that tournament is starting soon they are the sixth seed i believe Sounds right. uh, let's see a uh, baseball team heading closer and closer towards postseason play um and and jake Gilloff hitting a lot of home runs yeah. um, soft, softball team doing real Definitely, well yeah for sure with the, the walk-off oh, yeah, grand yeah. slam that was, that, was that was a foul ball maybe <laughs> i don't know uh, it's hard to tell in the video <laughs> that's for true <laughs> for sure um but yeah we'll be back soon to to keep chatting about those spring sports and sooner than later uh we'll, we'll have that off-season uh football and basketball stuff uh start to come in um more and more uh, so stay tuned to the blog everybody um go hoos <laughs>